Welcome to the From Little Things podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kenizaro, and together on this show, we'll speak with Aussie small business owners, founders, and entrepreneurs to share their stories and learn from those who have been on the journey from little things and beyond, so we can make it easier for you to succeed in business and life. From Little Things is brought to you by Papiera, the all-in-one solution that makes business easy for Aussie sole traders, company directors, and small business owners. You can learn more and get started for free at papera.com. Hey, Ash, welcome to the From Little Things podcast. Great to have you on the show today. Thanks, Daniel. What a uh, From Little Things. I, I've never been called little before. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's less about your size and more about your journey. So uh, perhaps um, uh, for everyone's background, so Ash Brown, you're the founder and CEO of Impira. Um, but uh, what I'd love to do is firstly, like, I'd love for you to give an introduction. I mean, I won't necessarily do it justice, but we can all read the LinkedIn, but I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about your background and, and your journey. Yeah, um, my name's Ash, Ash Brown. I, I founded Impura in 2020, just through being frustrated um, for years, being in a C-level, you know, running businesses, general manager, that type of stuff. And I sat back and I just went, you know what, I've got to take the leap. I've got to do something myself. I never actually figured out what that actually was and um because I, I was sick of being the person you know oh, why are we doing this we shouldn't be doing this but not understanding the full 360 view of of why certain things happen and um and i just during the during the wrecking my idea wrecking my brain going okay what do i want to do and i sat there and i went you know what um i, I kept having the same problem where we build our business plans and strategies and they just always would fall over and it's like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. And then I started looking for products that actually solved the problem, and um, and I got sick to death of looking at spreadsheets or overpriced project management tools that took me forever to figure out how to use it. And I went, hang on a minute, if I'm having this problem, then other people are having this problem. And um, the more I started speaking to people that I knew that were either directors or business owners or GMs, like, do you guys find that you do a lot of strategy work and? advisory work and never goes anywhere and they're like yeah it's unbelievable isn't it i said and it was just acceptance i was like yeah yeah you know we've got a heap of pitch decks to sit there heap of... and i went no no, no i've got to fix this so during covid um i'm based in melbourne so we got locked down about eight hundred eight hundred and fifty times and yeah I, I, I was locked out of melbourne so i uh, completely understand yeah <laughs> yeah well, we were locked in we couldn't even get out of the, we couldn't even get 15 k out of the city so um and yeah, I didn't. I just sat there and I went. You know, I had the time and I, I went into a um, a tech accelerator because I had no idea about tech. I knew I knew I liked tech, and I also knew that I I really liked the idea of tech. So I was an early adopter of CRMs and and yeah. and um, things like safety culture. So I saw the value in it. Uh, I saw this is great. We're actually opening up the the, the turning the lights on in the organisation. Like, okay, what are we doing here? But that thing was turning on overall. And so that's when I started to um, uh, really have the genesis of the idea. So, so, so well, that was... no, thanks for sharing it. And I, I guess um, as part of the question that I was asking, as you, as you brightly uh, noted at the start, it is called the From Little Things uh, podcast. Um, what I'd love to go is even further back, if you're happy to share with us kind of, you know, what, what shaped you to be the person you are today? Um, <laughs> so I understand you had a frustration. Many of us started business out of a, a frustration that we experienced ourselves. And on, on one of our previous episodes, we, we spoke a bit about that as well. But uh, before you got to that point, can you tell us a little bit about, um, so I, I assume you're in Melbourne, you said, did you grow up there? 
No, no, no. I grew up in. Oh, well, I was born in Melbourne, but I grew up in Albury, which is a border town of New South Wales and Victoria. Um, I, I think I pretty much spent my formative years there, and um, yeah, I, when it comes to being a, a student, I suppose I was probably more of a pain in the ass than anything else, uh, because I was. Uh, the, it would frustrate the teachers, like you know, you get the same comment every time to my mum. You know, if if he just applied himself, he could actually do something. <laughs> And um, it took about 40 years for me to figure that that out. And um, so I thought, it, you know, I probably should start doing something. But, yeah, I was just more enamoured with being just a class clown. And I, I, was, I was always interested in business, always. Like, it always, like I'd always try to figure out. A, I remember doing business studies and and, um, and one of the things in business studies, it was business studies and legal were the two ones that really excited me. And um, obviously because I was into, into length, I suppose. And... I definitely was never going to get the grades to be a lawyer. Um, but I found it, and I didn't have the, the attention to the detail. But it definitely, um, early days, I went, I, I like this business thing. And whenever I worked, like I worked at KFC, and, very, and I'd always be interested in, okay, so if we're buying this at this and we're selling this at this, what's the profit margin? How much is actually... So I always had that brain to sort of would think, okay, you just didn't like buy something and, and just assumed it. If you bought it for a dollar, you sold it two dollars. You made a dollar. I was like, no, no, it will actually cost you money. This, 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 this. So yeah, yeah that was that. Oh, as long as I was, I always was interested. I was always curious as a kid. And do you, do you, um, I mean, is there anything that comes to mind as to what sparked that interest, or was there any kind of early motivation? Do you think? Um. Well, I didn't. I, I didn't grow up with money, so that was probably the that was probably the big thing that we. We, you know, my mum and I, especially, I was a single. I was part of a single parent for quite a significant time, and you know, we've lived in, you know, I lived in caravans and and other like a when I was a kid. But just when you're a kid, it's just like an adventure, isn't it? So you don't, you don't really care too much. It's, yeah. it's only when you're older, you're like, geez, we lived in a single birth caravan for nine months in a caravan park in Aubrey. Like that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's also the other side of it where you sort of don't have a fear of failure as much because yeah. because you've sort of lived with nothing when i was a kid like and then you sort of you don't and, and by no means it's like well like dirt poor and didn't have, or didn't have shoes or anything like that but um it was always you know everything was a struggle and um but yeah i don't know i just and i sat there and thought well working for someone is not the answer so i could never figure out what, what and i and I always was worried about the safety net, and I think yeah, that's yeah. once once you learn that to fly without the safety net, you generally get better results. And yeah. um, and and I suppose it's like doing that leap of faith. Once you do the leap of faith, you sort of go, oh well, it's actually not as bad as you thought. And you always try to figure something. You always figure it out. So it's yeah, it's interesting. It's a um, yeah. And, and I, just I on that leap of yeah. faith, sort of what what part were you in your life journey when you decided? What were you doing before you decided to take that leap? And then, and then, what was that that catalyst to, to make you take it? I reckon once I got to forty, which just sounds ridiculous. Like it took me from you know ten to forty to figure it out. But I, I think once I got to a stage where I went, hang on a minute, I don't want to be. Well, I was in a business for ten years. What were you and, doing? That business? Yeah, so I was national sales manager and GM of sales for a company called One Three Hundred Tempens for a good part of a decade. Um, I was there, I was like in the first 10 employees, we were doing a million dollars a year then. 
when I left, we were doing something eighty odd million dollars a year, and I was without being silly about it, I was a big part of why that business went from where it was to what it was. And um, and probably as I was going through that journey, when I started their early sales rep and then grew sales teams and helped grow the business to be what it is today, and it's awesome business now. You know, one of my best mates owns it still. Um, but he, um, but I looked at it and went, I've made, you know, potentially hundreds of millions of dollars for this company over 10 years. Yeah. And I kind of walk away with just my annual leave. Like, don't get me wrong, I made a good living, don't, uh, definitely. And, uh, for an uneducated idiot, I've said I made some really good money and I, and I wasn't working on a building site like, <laughs> like some others. Um, and, um, I just sat there and went, you know what? Um, I've got to, I've got to take that leap. I've got to, and if I don't do it now at forty, then uh, I thought at forty is a really good age that you sit there and go. If you kind of fail, you can you, you've kind of got enough life experience to go get a job that pays you two or three hundred grand a year, like in in a senior exec role. So and then if you can't live off that, then something you you completely bonkers. So so I thought either way, I'm kind of safe. But um, but I didn't really want to just work for someone anymore because it frustrated the shit out of me so so i was like no i'm gonna do i want to do my own thing so you know i'm gonna but i needed the idea yeah and and maybe maybe um and and thank you for sharing the journey i mean it's always deeply personal but i I like to ask the questions i feel a lot of our early life experiences end up later on in life shaping what we do and uh i tend to find the more people i speak to and including my own experience as well the more that aligns to what your overall sense of purpose is people often use that term uh, the, you know, the more fulfilling life and, and the more passion you can inject in what you do and get a lot more out of what you do as well. And it's not necessarily just financially driven, as you say, um, flexibility, freedom, are some of the key terms that always come up in these discussions. Um, but uh, perhaps if we go like, dig a bit deeper into that inflection point where you're approaching 40, um, you've had this, this successful career, it sounds like, in sales, um, you know, what was that moment? Was there, was there a particular day that it kind of hit you that the idea to do this or was it, was it more organic and something you thought about over a long period of time? I think it was almost death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> and it was just... So, so you ignored it until the pain got so so bad that you had to do something about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think once I got to... I got close to year nine and started year nine and I sat there and I sort of had a moment and uh, year nine at 1300. And it was funny, I started at 1300 when I was 30 and I finished just before I was 40. So it was like literally... That decade, so clean, the clean transition. Yeah, yeah. Effectively, I think bar a month or something. It was, it, it's quite, it's quite what they call it, serendipitous. Um, and I, I sat there and I thought to myself, when I was getting, I was getting close to thirty nine. It was my ninth year, approaching my ninth year. And I thought, well, I'm not really enjoying. There's no challenge anymore. Like um, the the, I, the the challenge I was fighting was political ones. In, inside the business because the business went from like 10 or 12 people when I was there when I started to 120, 130 or something crazy yeah. and and I didn't really enjoy the, the, the corporate and by the way that, does, that doesn't mean that it's a bad place or a bad culture it's just I didn't enjoy it it wasn't for me anymore and um, and I probably wasn't it probably wasn't for me and it, I probably wasn't for it if that makes sense like on both sides I think we kind of got to the point and it wasn't like bad feelings just we probably got to the point where sometimes you just got to sit there and have a break and go, you know what, we, we've done all we can do with this relationship. And um, and I sat there and I, I thought to myself, all right, time to, time to move on. 
And did, I, did, I did you take time off, Ash? Or was it like, did you take time off and give yourself time to think about the idea? Or was it, was it no, something so, that you kind of pre-prepared first and then transitioned into it? How did it work? So so once I got to the, the IP, then I then I spoke to someone called Seb Cust, who's a, now a director at Impero, who's a great mate of mine. Great. And Sam, and Sam was a recruiter and he rang me out of the blue one day. And anyway, um, oh, one of his sidekicks rang me and I had a coffee with him and he started planting the seed. Typical recruiter, right? So I'm not, <laughs> you know, and uh, he's like, oh, you know, maybe you could probably do more. And I'm like, you know what? I can do more. You're right. That's what someone said that. And um, he put me in touch with this company called Jumbo Corp, which is a uh, emerging tech startup, which is great. Um, he sort of, he, he um uh, he was really 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 um, instrumental in setting that up. And once we set that up, it was um I caught up with Julian, Julian and I, who who's the the, the founder of Jumbo Corp. We just sat back and and uh, had a conversation. He said, "Hey, look, I'd love for you to come on as our head of sales." And and I went, "You know what? This is a different challenge. Yeah, I'm into this." So I um so I sat back and just went, "You know what? This is perfect." So I went there and um. I went there and it was just brilliant. Uh, for probably twelve months, just learned, literally worked in a startup. Effectively, it was a startup type environment. Um, I learned a lot. We talked. What <laughs> we got jokingly say, and uh, we talked a lot in that business. Like the, the managing director, um, oh, I like to have a chat, but by God, um, <laughs> and but one of the cool things about it though is that's when the, the real idea of Impera started to form. And, so, so and, just to just to pause there, Ash. Sorry to interrupt as well, but um, so you went from so you made the transition from from the sales gig after nine years. At that stage, you you weren't sure yet that you were going to start your own thing, but you knew you were looking for something different. Yeah. And when you joined that other company, was that um, were you open? Were, were you already thinking about Impira, or as you? Yeah, yeah. It? I was thinking about it, but I didn't know what it was at that yeah. time. Okay. I knew I had something. Originally, I was going to because hilariously. The, my boss at One Three Hundred is one of my good mates, Bruce, and he's a mentor of mine. So after I left One Three Hundred, me and he would catch up every month, and would and he knew that I wanted to do more, and he wanted to help me do more. And um and so there was no bad feelings, like zeros. It's like you know, at the end of the day, you you're done. And and um and there was expiration date hit. Anyway, so we we worked together, and I I had the idea of like going to be a sales consultant, like actually help businesses build out sales processes, operations. Yeah. So once I left one three hundred, that's why I really wanted to go to Jumbo to test myself on that because I had no processes, nothing. So I thought I'm going to go in there. I'm going to so get paid to do a live engagement effectively. So I went and did that. So and, get paid um, to get paid to learn effectively. Yeah, yeah, but also to you know they do some you know um, they do a lot around recycling around building sites and that. So I'm not I'm not like a you know. A, a, a tree hugging greenie, I suppose, as the as the old people say. But I, I, I do give a crap about the environment, so it was really, really interesting to um to sit back and actually see, you know, how much waste goes into uh, from building sites and how it gets divided up and what gets thrown into landfill versus what gets recycled. And so it was really, really exciting. Uh, that sort of stuff actually opening up to a new world was really good. But then learning that, and then COVID hit, <laughs> which was always. Which is always fun. I was very lucky that we didn't have to take a single pay cut. Um, didn't get any retrenchments, anything, uh, redundancy. So I worked all the way through COVID. But what it actually did during that period, it allowed me. And we did just before COVID, we did 
a strategy session with this company and the company said us that I remember waiting and I was like we did the offsite and everything. I'm like, oh my God, I can't I want to see what this strategy is because I had two ulterior motives. Number one for the business, because I wanted to see what the strategy that they've put together with us for the business. And number two, I wanted to see how they delivered it because I had this idea and I wanted to be a consultant. But the thing is with a consultant is I sat there and thought this is if I can't go away on the business. So I've got a cap on that. I might make three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. Great, fantastic. But is that is that a lifestyle business or is it actually a business? And and I thought, no, 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 no. I've got, uh, and it wasn't impactful enough in my mind. I, I looked looked at it and went, I help might help ten companies a year, whatever. And I'm like, that's not impactful. Like impactful. I want to make it an actual impact on business. And um, yeah, yeah sure. so then, maybe um, just pause there. You mentioned we'd impact a couple of times and. Um... Oh, and this might be a hard question to answer. But what does what does that mean to you? Um, like, what, what is in your own? Like, what's the most tangible definition you can come up with? Because a lot of people find this hard to define. But yeah. uh, we're often here when people are sort of stuck in a spot where they know they want to do something different. They say, "Look, I don't feel like I'm adding value. I don't feel like I'm having impact." What do you think? What did it mean to you? Um, for me, it's more about just myself. It's like leaving the camp, the campsite, better than you found it. Yeah, and and so it's like a. a, a Legacy sounds such a stupid word, but um, like like in America, it's like a legacy, legacy. And everyone's like, yeah, that makes sense. But in Australia, say legacy, oh, you're a flog. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's more, it's not so much legacy. It's about just creating um, a, a better environment for the next, the next, the followers behind you. That's a, uh, a really, uh, again, and sorry to interject, but there's some things along this discussion where I'm just going to jump in. When, as no, I said, no, 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 go, um, go for it. Uh, you spoke about US versus Australian culture there very briefly, but what you touched on is really important. Um, one of the big things that we're looking at is how do we empower people to become business owners? How do we encourage the next generation of entrepreneurs to get the knowledge and tools that they need to uh, succeed in business and in life? And um, one really important part of that is the cultural aspect. And I guess, um, you know, the next question I'll, I'll probably ask is like, you know, what, what was it like starting in Europe? But um, how did the cultural lens come into it? So you're sitting in Australia, uh, you, you mentioned the word lifestyle business, um, yeah. 400, 500 k yeah, For a lot of people, that's a lot of money, right? Um, so for you, it, it kind of sounds like you've just replaced some of your journey today. So you, you grew up in an environment where, um, you know, you maybe didn't have a lot, um, and but you you learned to, to make the most of it. You were... Uh, you mentioned schooling wasn't necessarily your strong point, but you, you were always interested in business. Uh, you had an awesome early career and, and mid-career in uh, sales. You've made this transition in your late 30s. You said, my, my 40s are coming. I want to have impact now. I want to do something that's going to have impact. Um, how's the whole Australian cultural context come over, overlay to that? So you're sitting in Australia. As I said, people don't really get this idea of, or they don't like the idea of legacy. But I think like the good thing about American culture is it is aspirational. And being a business yep. owner is an aspirational thing to do. So, kind of, did that play in at all? Well, how do you think about that when you're thinking about starting in Europe? I think, I think this goes back to the you know waiting till you're forty. When you you waiting till you're forty, then you sort of don't give an F. You know, <laughs> I mean, like like you're like oh, whatever. People can say whatever they want, um, and you sort of get to that point. And I think when you're 30, 25, 30, you worry about what's written on your line. You worry about what people say. You worry you, you don't understand your skin that you're in. And then I think once you get to forty, you go, you know what? I am what I am. I'm doing what I'm doing. If you like it, like it. If you don't, don't. And so once you do that, you sort of shed this this worry, uh, this fear of failure, a fear fear of you know trying to please. 
and you go, well, actually, and then the hilarious part about that, once you do that, it kind of opens the world up. <laughs> and, and, it's just, and then you sit there and you go, well, it's like when you play sport. It's like the, the people will sit there and go, oh, my last two years and my best two years because I, I figured out how to, how to control the game better. I wish I knew what I knew when I had the athleticism. Same sort of thing. It, it, there's all these push-pull in life, you know. If you knew what you knew at 40, um, if you knew when you were 20 what you knew at 40, you know, you, you would have skipped a lot of, uh, you know, pains pains and, um, and trials and tribulations. So, um, so to so go back around to, that self-awareness piece, that accepting you are who you are, playing to your strengths, doing what you want to do and what you love versus what you think you should be doing. Or yeah. What people tell you you think you should be doing. Exactly. But the other part of it is to have the ability to sort of have that situational awareness, to, to realise if you're doing the right thing and, and be able to sort of stand back and go, mate, you've been an idiot, pull up sort of thing. Or you've got the wrong idea. No, this is this is dumb. So your BS detector is a little bit is a hell of a lot better when you're older because you've sort of seen more. You've you've been in so, lived experiences. Would you say then um, context and experience gives you confidence and therefore yeah. more conviction to pursue the things you want to do? Yeah, and, and sometimes that that can be off putting for people as well. Like uh, you know, some people will sit there and go, "Oh, gee, Ash is a bit full of himself," or. He sort of, you know, he, he shoots too straight. You know, he does, but to me, it's just, it's not because I'm actually doing that because I actually respect the person I'm talking to. I yeah. can BS you as much as you want. I can sit there and say, okay, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're, you're fantastic. Or I can just sit there and shoot. I, I really don't agree with that. And the reason, but the difference is, and this is where I think where you, when you get older, you get a bit smarter about this stuff is you actually explain why you don't agree with it or why you sort of, like, it's not just, I don't agree with it. Okay, cool. It's like, I don't, I don't agree with it because of this, this, and this. But if you can explain these and these reasons, I can definitely say it from your point of view. Very, very different. You, you don't get that sort of level of emotional intelligence and situational awareness till you're a little bit older. And when you start doing that, that's when you start. But that's when you learn. And that's the ironic part about me being a, a knob at school is at 40, if I went back to school now, I'd ace it because I, I understand why, what, and I would have asked. How the world works. Work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but education versus lived education, that, that, that's the story. Uh, hindsight is always uh, twenty twenty, as they say. And um, yeah. I think, as you say, like, uh, you know, one of the very interesting things is um, you know, the academic part of, of everyone's journey is, is important still for a lot of people, but it's not always for everyone. And I think yeah. uh, there are many examples of... Um, of people that are able to make it in business in various different ways, and and so speaking of business, Impera, how did we uh, how did we get to Impera? So you've covered that journey. What is Impera? So before you tell me the punchline or the tagline, <laughs> why the name Impera? Uh, I was actually telling someone this yesterday. Um, I'm a massive Star Wars fan, and if I turned the blur off, you'd see it. Um, I couldn't buy the name Empire because I was Star Wars fan. So then I removed the E and just added an A and couldn't get that. And there's oh, just another A. And it was there and I went, boom, paid the $35 and off I went. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted, yeah. but I also wanted, I wanted a name that was, uh, I was creating something. And that was the thing. I wasn't, I didn't want something where I was, I, I, I wanted it so like in 20 years time, 10 years time, people say, I, uh, did, did you use Imperial or do you use Imperial? Like, but I knew that we'll, a strategy or business planning execution tool now but is that going to be the end goal is that where we end up being we could end up being a 
30 different products. We could be end up being two products. So I didn't want something like Stratify or, you know, like everyone was using Stratify, like put a fire at the end of it or, or I at the front of it. Um, so I went, no, you know, I went, once again, like most things I do, I do it by sort of ridiculous way. And I just go, you know, I'm just going to create the name. And, and it's actually quite cool to hear people use a name that you haven't, that what well, didn't even exist three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. Like, and people, people are like, oh, yeah, peer up, dot, dot, dot. And I was just, and it's, um, to me, it's, yeah, it's, it, that's pretty cool, I must admit. Awesome. And uh, when did you found the business and uh, and what is the key offering today? Yeah, so I found it in 2020. Uh, we launched in 2022 and this year has yeah, been probably the year of learning of our product market fit. Everyone talks about product market fit and you speak to VCs and everyone, oh, you've got to get your product market fit. It takes forever. Unless you've got something that actually is like very bespoke to a certain product. Like if you're building, I don't know, um, drones for cow to measure how many cows there are in paddocks and that's a really that's a specific product market fit. and there is a business that does that that's why there you go but um but when you do something like us like a very broad business planning and execution tool and that's what we are um it it can be really sort of hard because it, it it's hard to market and hard to sell to a broad market so then you've got to sit there and go okay what's the what what do i need to focus on and it's going to give us the quickest possible results because I don't have $50 million to blow on Google AdWords and do billboard campaigns and various other things. I've got to be able to be really resourceful and use clever marketing and sales channels. And how do I get to, you know, one to many? And that's what that's how we sort of do it. But Imperial, yeah, we're a bit, yeah, so yeah. Awesome. No, and I, I, I love the... Um... I love the name origin story. It's a, it's a good one. So um, the way I'm thinking about it now is Ash is building an empire and therefore uh, it's a multifaceted product. But strategic planning business management tool, um, it's a nice, uh, easy to remember uh, proposition. Um, who do you serve? Yeah, pretty much emerging startups. So basically seed the, the Series A, all um, for SMEs and franchises. Yeah. Um, so SMEs, we work with generally advisors, consultants, um, growth advisory, business coaches that will work with their clients and then they on-sell, uh, then they put um, Imperial part of their package. Because if you go back to the original origin story, that I was waiting from a strategist to get this document so that way we can access the strategy, but we all we got was a PowerPoint presentation. And it's like, okay, so we work with them so they, instead of delivering a PowerPoint presentation, they're delivering their Impera plan, which then they, then is all hooked up to their integrations and everything else. And so suddenly you don't just have a plan, you've actually got a game plan moving forward and you've got a scoreboard to kick against. And that's different. That's different. So, And just to like further contextualize it for, for myself and, and our listeners, what do you actually get within the tool? So what does it allow you to do? Yep. So... Uh, OKRs, KPIs, you can build pillars and that are aligned to those KPIs and, and OKRs. Um, you can just distribute those KPIs within your team. So just for example, if you've got a sales team and you want to roll out a sales budget, you can roll out the budget to each of the sales, your sales members. And then the other part of it too, then you can start aligning actions to those. So you can say, okay, you've got to make 50 calls a week. You've got to you know, onboard, you know, you've got to send out 15 proposals, win five proposals. 
And then what we will do is we'll be able to integrate directly to, let's just say, HubSpot, where and if they're working on HubSpot, then every time that they win a proposal, it will pull through into Imperia and it'll come up one, and then it will generate the revenue and, and, and pull into into one one tight little package that you can part of it, you can see your mission statement, you can see your core values, you can see the overall business plan, and you can see how it's how it's being executed and awesome. and measure it to real time, which is and, uh, you know brilliant. A lot of these terms, I, I used to be in consulting, maybe one of those strategy consultants that delivered uh, the pack that, that then didn't get used. So I completely empathize with your with your challenges and experience, but um, I've moved on since then. Um, but, uh, you know, I always used to think of um, consulting or, or strategy for, for large businesses is how I used to internalize it. I mean, we have a, a strategy for our own business and uh, we manage it in various ways. But um, you're effectively bringing this thinking to, to the small business owner. Um, I know you focused on SM, uh, SME startups and a whole range of businesses that are ideally will grow. Um, but uh, can you just share with us a little bit about sort of the importance of strategic planning, even for the micro business or, or single to four employee businesses? Yeah, I, it's it's really especially the last twelve months, and I, I, I use the term all the time. We don't diet when we're skinny. So when things are going well, we don't we don't diet. We only diet when we go. Oh, we look in the mirror and go, oh, geez. I'm I'll put a little bit on here. I'm so like, we're heading into Christmas, that's a good, um, that's a, that's a very good uh, concept to, think, to remember. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and um, and that's a really so we're always reactive. We're, it, it's a very small portion of the of the world that's proactive. Um, and generally, business owners are proactive, but they let these things flip. And we've got products like Zero and 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 QuickBooks and Myob that allow you to. React, uh, what's that? Retroactively look at where you've been. You, but they're compliance, right? So accounting is compliance. You've got to lodge bass. You've got to lodge. Well, I, I think that's a really important point. They're accounting first. All the yeah. other stuff's kind of built around it. Yeah, yeah. So the accounting stuff, but plans. So you're looking at it and you go, well, actually, we're losing money here, or, or our cost of goods are blowing out, or it very so. What's the plan to bring those down? And most people say, oh, because if you speak to your accountant, I say. Like, Reduce your fixed costs and increase your margins. That's basically how to fix your business, right? <laughs> Every time. Uh, how do you reduce fixed costs during staff or, you know, SaaS product or whatever, your overheads, you know, rent, whatever. Um, and so make, like, make, more, make more money, spend less money. That's, that's best. Yeah, <laughs> which, 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 you know, is the simplest and uh, great advice. Yeah, not very actionable. <laughs> not very actionable. It's like, all right, cool, no worries. Uh, I'll just... Make sure everyone turns the light off and stop printing. Stop printing paper. Um, not very environmentally sustainable either, Ash. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, but what? But rather than that, like, how are you building a plan to do that? So, okay, cool. We've got to increase our margins. Okay, let's increase our margins. How? What's our plan to do that? And that's where it doesn't matter how big your business is. So, if you're a small little cupcake shop and you go to your account and your account goes, oh, your cost of goods are blown out and you're paying too much in rent and you, you've got too much too many staff and but then you also, part of your plan is you want to get a second store or a third store because you want to grow your business. You're not going to be able to do it if you're running business number one bad, uh, not badly, but you know, inefficiently. So so how do you clean that up? We'll have a plan. And how do you have a plan? Well, generally what happens is they write some stuff on a spreadsheet and, and because because accountants love spreadsheets and so they should because they're, they're, they're brilliant. But it's not fit for purpose. Like you can't... You, you, 
it's too complex. It starts to break down or you spend more time working on your plan than in your plan. And the same as, you know, when you start your business, you're working, you know, you, a lot of times people are working in their business but not on their business. And and so if you're a small business, to set up a plan in Imperial will take you no more than an hour. Um, so you can sit there and go, okay, we, this is what we want to do. We want to increase sales. We want to, how are we going to increase the sales? Okay, we want to, um, in, you know, spend a little bit of money on social media advertising yep. around our local area. Um, we want to, we want and to actually, run- just on, sorry, just on that, do you, do you provide some sort of structure or, or templates, key metrics around what they should be thinking about? Yeah, yeah. In, in our platform, we've actually got AI tools in there. So you can actually punch in there and go, I want to grow my sales by 12% um, over the next three months because my accountant told me to. <laughs> and it'll punch out an OKR or KPI. And you can look at it and go, yeah, I like that one. I'm going to put that in there. Yeah. We've also got SWOT analysis tools in there, sales marketing planning tools. Um, SEO strategy tools, uh, marketing tools, product launch tools, um, sales forecasting tools, all, all built into the platform with AI. So we're, everyone loves AI. I wanted to make sure if we had AI in the platform, it actually served an actual purpose rather yeah. than sort of, you know, just cleaning up what you say. Um, I, I like to say AI is a feature, not a solution. So um, yeah. And it is yeah, in, I mean, in a, a proactive well, or constructive way. I don't, that's why our, pl- our platform is the shining star. The AI is literally the thing that actually helps you prime your thoughts on what you're trying to achieve. So when you're sitting there going, oh, well, I've got to I've got to grow my business. Okay, cool. How do I do that? Um, I want to reduce costs. Um, I'm a cake shop. Blah, blah, blah. It'll come up with five or ten KPIs. And you go, actually, that's what I want to do, but I might change it a little bit. Perfect. Because what we've done then is take that idea, put it into AI, made you think about what it is and we've, we've got you about 80 to 90 percent there and then you just make the change that you need to do for your business that's that's truly powerful because if you're just using ai just to, to do all your work for you then that's probably in this space then you're not going to have any sort of emotional attachment to what you're actually trying to achieve here because you go say oh the computer told me to do that um where yeah, if, if, if said do this, this. Yeah. <laughs> a computer said do that it was like okay yeah. mr computer i'll do that um, but here, but here, what we're we're doing is we're we're all sort of priming those thoughts of people to sit there and go, yeah, that's actually I, I kind of want to do that. I might change it a little bit to suit my business. Um, so, and, and that's so in a real roundabout way, that's why it's really important for small to many businesses to have a plan because people sit there and think, oh, we don't need one. We're too small. I'm like, no, no, it's. Uh, I was talking to you offline. Like we're build, currently building out everything from our fixed cost base to our cash burn, to our to our um, sign ups. We're measuring absolutely everything through through and next year. Like we do anyway, but now we're really launching through it. Now we've got these metrics that we want to hit um, and measure to um, because it allows us to sort of align and and work towards the plan. And if you generally work towards the plan, you you generally cook. Yeah, you do what you need to do. Think about when you're baking a cake. You can go off reservation and, and the cake still might taste all right. You're still you getting a cake. It <laughs> may not taste like a good cake. Yeah, you, you can have a cheap cake or you can have a really nice, you know, red velvet cake. So what do you want? So um, so just to summarise, that Imperia is a tool for helping you bake delicious cakes. 
Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, but no, uh, jokes aside, what I, what I like to um, what I like to say is, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And it sounds like um, what you're actually solving is, is really important. Because how do we? One of the things we're quite passionate about is how do you democratize access to these tools that actually the, the top end of town, the more sophisticated operators, perhaps have the money to afford and, and, and engage with. Technology completely yep. democratizes that. I think it's also what you're doing around building in automation as well to solve that problem. Um, actually, you know, from what you've shared so far about your journey, um, you don't strike me as a technical founder. Um, how did you go about? How did you go about building the platform? And you know, I ask from the perspective: there are a lot of people listening today and say, "Okay, like this is really cool." Ash has proven you anyone can can you know if you've got the idea you're passionate about and you, you're dedicated and focused. Um, can perhaps go after an idea that they're passionate about. But uh, but for a lot of people, technology is hard to comprehend. And if you don't have an engineering background, you know, where do you start? So how did you solve that? Um, once again, sort of know your weaknesses. Yeah. Know, know, what, know what you're good at and, and uh, know what you're not. Um, for me, it was more of a case of I knew that I, there was, my brain, I tried to learn how to code years ago when apps first come out. I thought, oh, this is a great idea. and. Yeah. It just, my brain couldn't figure it out. Um, but I knew what I liked. I knew I'm very big on user experience, like looking at the product from a product, from a from a user's point of view. Does this make sense? Is this easy to use? And I think sometimes when you do develop products, if you're a developer, and I'm not trying to can developers, but a lot of them build to, for developers because that's how their brain works. Um, but having someone that's product-focused can actually turn around and go, well, actually, no, that doesn't work because the average Joe can't do this, this, and this. And they're not thinking about the problem like you are. You're thinking about it in a very sort of sophisticated way where the average Joe is... Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sophistication and simplicity. And um, and so... But and for how me, did you go about that, Ash? Like, was that just you coming up with your own ideas of what simple looks like? Or uh, did you consult with a community of business owners? Uh, no, no, so I, I went through an accelerator called Hyper based in Sydney, great guys. And um, and we built out the wireframes and built out the UI there. And um, that was really, and it was good to see it conceptualize what I thought I wanted Impura to be and then actually see it actually alive and, and in living color. And then I started playing with it and I went, okay, this is how I want it. Once I had that, then I started speaking to development houses in Melbourne um to build the platform which was it was a good it was yeah really good and it was built locally which is awesome now development's in the house which is even better um but but the great thing about that is i can sit back and i i can really once again our developer i'll I'll, I'll say to him no 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 no, you've got to do this because of this um but it takes years to sort of to sort of start seeing it that way but i think the only real thing to do is just back yourself if you've got an idea, you've got an idea and, and you've got a product in your head that you that you want to use. And I think you've got to always turn back to one thing that I did about halfway, about, two third, about third through development. I, I, I could see, once again, big product trying to do this, you know, very big, uh, broad product. I looked at it and, and it was starting to get sort of too many edge cases. Oh, well, what if it does this? What if it... And so what I did, I remember one day, and I got really quite frustrated at, at the time um, because I did, you get frustrated what you don't know, right? That's just human nature. And I, um, I sat back and I went, you know what? I'm just going to write up three use cases and that is it. 
is I did three vastly different use cases and I used the three businesses I worked at. Yeah. And I and I did the three use cases. I flipped it to the, to the developer I did, on a spreadsheet, ironically. Um, and um and I said to the developer, this is it. This is all we build to. Don't come up with edge cases for anything else. This will cover about eighty percent of what we need to cover. Yeah. And what what it can't what it can't do, we'll figure out. So you can't. So I think that's probably the key. So acknowledgement, you can't do everything. You need to focus. I uh, just ultra focus. If I had my time again, I probably would have even focused even heavier on, on at, at the early stage and gone, no, I just wanted to do this one big, do this one big really well. And so, I think it's taken a little yeah. No, that's that's awesome. And I will ask you towards the end of this discussion uh, about your lessons. And I've got a couple of things I want to ask you, but I'm, I'm holding back because I, yeah. I want to make sure we actually cover something uh, really important that you've done as well. So, um, one thing we haven't touched on yet is uh, Imperial recently commissioned a study into, uh, it was an SME uh, research report. Um, yep. So key challenges for small, medium enterprises. Um, I believe you, you published it last month or, or earlier this yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, do you want to maybe walk us through um, uh, why you did it? Uh, how many businesses did you speak to? And uh, what are some of the key insights? Yeah, we spoke to over 600 businesses, um, which is, or, you know, quite quite encouraging that so many come back to us. And um, the reason we did it is because we kind of knew what the problem was, but we found that we would weren't probably speaking to the right people enough about the problem. Um, yeah. So I What's the problem know, specifically, Ashley, referring to? Uh, a disconnected business, uh, disconnected vision, disconnected clarity in, in businesses. Because that's what this, if you go back one step of what Imperial is, and it, it creates clarity within the business to the plan. Um, if you're talking about sport, you know, if you've got three, uh, if you're a soccer fan, you've got a midfield, uh, a midfield uh, forward and a back line, right? And if those three don't, um, if they're not playing off the same game plan, but they've all got different responsibilities, then you're generally leaking goals and you lose the game. Same sort of thing in business. If your finance doesn't know what your sales are doing, your operations doesn't know what either of them are doing, um, your business is going to generally be disconnected and there's a lack of clarity there. And a lack of clarity will always cause inefficiencies within businesses. And I wanted to just get an understanding of what was the real problems that, that SMEs here and in the US were really facing, not what we thought they were facing. What are they actually facing? And um, and that that is why, why we commissioned it. And, and to be honest, the other side of it too, I was sick of reading reports from... America or like Asana Workday Mondays and all these sort of that were just out there and and they weren't really talking to the heart of the problem that we we're trying to solve. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, what's the best way to do it? Just talk to our customers and talk to our prospective customers, and and, um, uh, and see what they want. I think the that primary uh, customer research is super important. Um, some of the key insights I, I did a bit of reading before this uh, yeah. discussion, and um, you know, but I took away three key findings. So, eighty nine percent of businesses find it challenging to bring in new technology. Sixty three percent of businesses want to diversify their services and offerings, and twenty six percent of people were happy with the visibility over their business. Which the inverse of that is seventy four percent were unhappy with yeah. the visibility over their their business. So. I mean, if you want to just touch on one of them, um, perhaps uh, you know, it'd be great to talk about the challenges around bringing in new technology, given that's the, the highest uh, challenge they have. Um, yep. Can you provide any more context based on the learnings of what you're seeing out there? And this is small business owners, people like you and I, we've got small teams. Um, they've been on these journeys as well that we're talking about today. 
Um, where what's happening? Why are they why are they facing this challenge? Well, it's it's funny because it completely aligns to what we actually do now. We we offer a full service offering. We have an implementation service and set up integrations within Impera for the client, and and it really does back it up. I think mean, I think what's happened in and I was and I, I firmly believe this. Three four years ago, we all people just needed to know was what their local system was. So whatever their their um, system, their on-prem system was generally, because not many were cloud-based. Um, how to use Microsoft Suite and how to send an email. In all honesty, that's probably you know before twenty twenty, that was basically the long and short of most businesses. Come this little thing called COVID, and suddenly we're we're doing Zooms. Suddenly we're doing digitization accelerated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think that I think. That, and the study backs this up as well as sort of our own um, product offering backs this up, that people got tired and they were like, my God, I have to learn another system. Oh, I have to learn another. So there's this tech this tech fatigue where people have that they just went, oh, my God. I, I, it's not that they have trouble implementing it. I think that they just can't be, can't be bothered anymore. And um, it's just like, oh, we have to add another system. Really? And, yeah, would you say and, there's like this trend? To, it feels like there's this trend towards simplification. Like we've had the last 10, 15 years, maybe twenty years. There's been this explosion of tools, right? We had we, we transitioned from you know, mainframes back in the nineties to yeah. you know, desktop solution in two thousand. We had cloud solutions, but now it feels like there's this real drive for bringing it all together into as many one all-in-one platforms as possible. But um, I, I'm seeing that as well, and, and it feels like that's what you're touching on, is that there's just so much choice out there, but overwhelming when you overlay that to all the other stuff you need to think about when you're running a business. Well, you think about when you, you go to a buffet and you, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you sit there and look at Is there a go, particular oh buffet you have in mind here when you're explaining this just for Yeah, well, you go to Vegas. Go to one of the good <laughs> Vegas ones, right? <laughs> okay. no, not, not some $10. So was it wasn't like a Sizzlers when you were growing up or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, Sizzlers. Oh, it's easy <laughs> Cali for it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you think about it like that, like you walk in and you generally, you just gravitate to what you know. Uh, yeah. But if you've got a menu, you actually sit back and actually think about what you're going to eat. You consider the options that's, rather than sort of just going sampling because that's what happens. We've all got inboxes full of trials, you know, and, and sign-ups for things that we, we, we tried for a day and went, oh, no, because we lost it. We lost the – as soon as it becomes too hard after probably – an hour, and there's probably a study to this that I haven't looked at. But as soon as you find most people um, look at something for an hour or two hours and they go, I can't figure this out, it's done. And then they get 27 emails. Hey, we see you haven't logged in. Hey, we'd love to do an onboarding. Hey, you know, the usual, that's because, you know, we're doing the same, you're doing the same, everyone's doing the same because we're all competing for this, for their their attention, for their tech spend. And, um, and it becomes quite, uh, for the consumer, it becomes really sort of overwhelming. And so you go back to that 89%. They're just done. Like, you know, it, so what we've done, like to, to put it in our perspective for a sec, is we, we provide a full implementation and integration service now because, number one, businesses generally have resources, um, but they've got financial resources. But they don't, ha- they don't necessarily have the time resources or the personnel resources. So what we, we do in particular, and this backs it up and this really drove what, you know, our product change for us, is they go, hey, you give us your plan. We'll load it into Impera for you. Yes, there's a fee, but guess what? That fee's going to be cheaper than having someone sitting there for two weeks trying to figure out how to use 
the cost of your time. Yeah. Yeah, and loss of productivity in your business. But then we'll also hook it up to all your data sources. So once again, you're saving time and efficiencies on that as well. So what you might pay for us, let's just say, you know, two grand for an entire year or two or three thousand dollars. If you think about that in in how much it costs for a person to be sitting there trying to figure out how to use this platform it, at probably fifteen hundred dollars a week and they've spent two or three weeks trying to figure it out and haven't done anything else, you probably it's probably six thousand dollar cost to your business for not doing it. So and so I think that and the more companies I was speaking to recently, um, in sort of same sort of not in period space, but just in like in a space where you have to really, it's not self-service. That self-service model is um, really reserved for things like Canva and, and, and those type of things where it's a bit easier for them. To, the learning curve is just a point click. Hey, I made a picture. Hey, this is fantastic. But when you're trying to on, onboard an entire company to a thing, to a system, there really needs to be a significant amount of um, uh, resources from the company that's invest and that, that they're paying to do it. To, to do it so and i know that's probably something investors are sitting there going well no 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 we want high scaling high growing businesses and, and we product product lead growth but that doesn't necessarily happen anymore um because the other side of that and as the study says 89 percent of biz- people in businesses are ceos and gms and founders they're not they're just going to look at it and go no nah, this i've got too many other things to worry about and now put it into the scrap heap so there's a so, very high switching cost or, or or getting started cost for those businesses is what what I'm yeah, hearing. Yeah. So you yeah, and, and you do hear especially like with people in tech, you hear product lead growth. Oh, that's the yeah. These products have these incredible product lead growth, uh, like the Canvas and and that of the world. I mean, they're very unique products because they're not just a B two B product, they're a B two B and then also B two C product. Um, so yeah, kinda... I think it's it's challenging. Like it's um, at a high level um, when you look at it at a very very high level, it will look like a product led growth company. But even Canberra itself has a long journey and history to speak to. And what Canberra mm-hmm. is today is a massive success. But even they went on a on a journey of challenges at the start. At last, at last year, the same sort of thing. Yeah. At last year, where they really grew was they took on the partnership model, very similar to what we we're doing, me and you, where they you know over. It was a 2006 or 2010 they invested in just growing through partnerships and speaking development houses and, and getting them to use their products and that's when they, they had their you know their growth they kicked them off to the journey they're at now so so you, yeah you've, you, you've you've got to really looking back at it looking at it, going back to the numbers the 89 percent sticks out um like a sore thumb that yes we need to really um, focus uh, like as software companies focus on how we onboard our customers, how we provide them with service, and don't be worried about um, being scared to, to charge for implementation. Because if they see value in your product, they, you know, they see half the value and the value there in the implementation, they'll they'll take it, and then you've got a customer for life. Yeah, and I think I think an important part of that though is that um, it depends on the size of business as well. Um, like, some of the research we've done suggests that yeah, there's a particular size where you know, implementation, as you say, is going to be important to embed that within the business. I still think there's a there's a there's an opportunity for self serve. I mean, we we do transparently have a self serve solution, so it does yeah. serve me to say that. But um, but importantly, to you know, finding it challenging to implement new technologies is has a different couple of aspects to it. One is it's it's a impost on my time and effort. So how do we make that easier? Well, your solution to that is we'll take the pain away from you, we'll do it for you. And yeah. you can realize value straight away. 
Um, another way to do it would be we're going to make it so easy for you to sign up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we take the pain away. But there's there's a big education piece in, in both of those as well to say, well, how do we reduce the cost is one part, but also how do we make you realize value faster as well? Yeah, um, the, value, the value thing is the most important. You've got to have value. If your product doesn't provide value, then then you you know it always has to always has to you go put yourself back in the customer's shoes at all yeah. times would you buy that product that should be the question you ask every time you you have a sales um you, your brain explodes because of sales would i buy that product yeah. awesome and um so before i jump into uh just your the key lessons of from your journey um where can people find out more about Impira? Uh, good old fashioned our website, which is Impira <laughs> E M P I R A A dot com. So E M P I R A A dot com, and we're also on LinkedIn. And I mean, we've got like Instagram and X or Twitter or whatever we call it these days. But um, you're on all the usual channels, and um, yeah, you're on, you're on the usuals. Is there anything that we're able to offer our listen, listeners by way of uh, an offer at all? To be honest, I think all anyone through uh, Daniel's network, I think what we can do because we're we're a nice company over here at Imperial, we'll do free implementation for the first thirty. That's awesome. Thanks. So, so that that saves. That this saves. wasn't pre-rehearsed, so I really appreciate no, 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 you, uh, no, no, you no, offering no. that. No, no, awesome. we'll do free implementation for the first thirty. Um, that sign up through the platform and just say that you come through Daniel's podcast. Talk about value. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, that's been awesome, Ash. No, thanks for sharing that. So look, you've had an amazing journey uh, from little things, as we like to say. Yeah. Um, what are your three biggest learnings? And uh, I guess if I can just hijack one of them uh, as like pre-reserving it based on uh, the first one, I'd love to kind of get your view on is how could you avoid or how could you shortcut the time to realizing, you know, you mentioned at 40, you kind of, you're free from expectation, pursue what you really want to pursue. But what would you say to like younger Ash or, or someone else that maybe is younger and earlier on in their journey, but will probably end up at the same destination, but could do it sooner if they knew this one or two, this one thing that you've realized? Um, weirdly, I wouldn't change a thing uh, because I think that all the, the, the scars um, allow you to to make the decisions you make now because you can draw off all those things. Yeah. So um, I, the only thing I'd probably say is just be a bit more patient. Figure it yeah. out. It, it, it'll, it'll work out. Just be patient. Trust the process. Do the right things. That type of stuff. So, but yeah, I, I, in all honesty, I wouldn't. It, it sounds ridiculous. So I wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't change anything because no, that's um, awesome. I, and, and that wasn't the angle of the question. It's more so, you know, if if you were if someone was uh, sitting there, they're in there mid 20s they want to start a business they're not sure if they're old enough yet if they've got enough experience enough yet or whether they oh, should when, be doing when you yeah. when you think you're not ready you're always everyone thinks they're not ready always yeah so you just you just have a crack honestly no, you just no have better a crack. time than the present <laughs> uh, you, what you find is that um the only thing that separates you from the people that actually go out and do it is that they're doing it that's really that's really un, the, the only difference. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, two more. Shoot. No, no. Uh, no, no. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, two more, two more things. Um, trust your gut more. Um, I think that uh, I think early days, especially in this environment, uh, especially learning through this, um, I deferred 
more than I should have. Yeah. Um, because I didn't think I, I knew what I needed to know. And then in the end, I should have just trusted my gut because that's always served me the best. So trust, trust my gut more. And, um, Ed, Ed, the last one would definitely be, uh, um, really tune your BS detector. Uh, tune your BS detector. That's the, that's the big one. Like when you, if it smells like crap and looks like crap, it's going to be crap. So just, <laughs> just, just, uh, just and, and cut those, cut those things out really quickly. So yeah. those probably two things that we, we gut feel and, um, and BS just act on those things quicker. So um, back yourself. Oh, be patient. Yeah. Back yourself and, and have confidence and uh, cut the BS or, or uh, yeah. 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 I think mean, that's a big one. I, I think that those two, especially, I mean, you put all three of them together and it, it makes you, you're pretty good. But the superpowers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like Captain Planet. Uh, but yeah, definitely. Um, the BS one and definitely the gut, especially if, you, if you're a non-technical founder, trust your gut more because you're not as dumb as you think you are. Just because you can't, just because you can't um, cut code on Angular or, or you, you don't understand Python or whatever, that doesn't mean that you're any less qualified to develop an app than anyone else. It, it, it means that it actually means in some regard you're probably more qualified because you're seeing things through a, more of a, um, a kaleidoscope of colors versus a black and white lens. Yeah, no, that's super important message. Awesome. Well, Ash, thanks so much for your time today. I really enjoyed the discussion. Um, I hope our listeners do as well. Looking forward to seeing where you go next to Pure and to follow your journey. Thanks, Daniel. It was uh, definitely good. It was uh, that was really, really good, and uh, I'm looking forward to listening to this and the other ones that you've recorded already. So it's fantastic. Thanks so much, mate. Have a good Christmas. Cheers. See you. From Little Things is brought to you by Papera, the all-in-one solution that makes business easy for Aussie sole traders, company directors, and small business owners. You can learn more and get started for free at papera.com. From Little Things is part of the Sonic Boom network of podcasts. To get your brand started on its own podcast, visit sonicboom.vc.